Hey everybody, it's Andy. And the last recording with Pete and Rachel, there was a bunch of like problems with the internet and stuff, which you guys didn't even hear because I cut them out except when I left in because it felt right. Uh, but it left Rick feeling like he didn't get the as much of the interview in as he really wanted to in the end. And so he called them back up and had another conversation with Pete and Rachel. And that is what this is. So I hope you enjoy it. Thank you. The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith. And one of us doesn't have a faith. But we still love one another and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Oops, oops, oops. <laughs> <laughs> You are listening to the Burrows of Berea. Hey, Rick, how you doing? Good, good. After our last interview, I had so many problems with my internet. We kept freezing and it kept interrupting us. And then we would ask questions and our conversations, as usual with the Burrows, went all over the map. And I just wanted to, I wanted to follow up with you guys because I don't feel like we got to really talk as much about the book as I wanted to. And so, this is the book. Let's show it again. Let's put it up there. Can you see it well? Yeah. 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 I think we got it too here. You can yes. see it better than mine. explained. And All if right. you want to lock me out, we can also <laughs> put up the return of Christ. Oh, you rock. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a sister book. It's a yeah. companion book. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And like yeah. we talked about before, um, some of us think that it might be a good idea to start with End Times Explained. Because they can at least see their view being represented and then also our view being represented. I say our because I'm a full preterist as well. And so we can see that. And then when you go to the return of Christ, it's more, you know, in depth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We would agree with that. I know in our past discussion there. Yeah. I mean, I forget who said it. Was it Rick that said that book should be our new book should be first? But um, yeah, I would totally totally agree yeah absolutely 100% because it's representing all the views and you know we're actually mm-hmm. kind of starting with a futurist mm-hmm. view and kind of going into more of the past so yeah. taking it to it, it's just the way it worked out we wrote the first book and then someone suggested you know we write the second book cuz a lot of they're not familiar with the different terms and what they mean and it kind of worked out well because we didn't know uh, uh Kirk Cameron <laughs> before we wrote the, the new book and and we might not have been able to get him to write the forward had we done it the other way around so right. it worked out and that was really cool for us yeah yeah that was really cool for me too um i've wanted to get kurt cameron on our show I've, I've requested it through so many different avenues um because i really want to hear his personal testimony mm-hmm. you know and, mm-hmm. I, and i'm sure he's done it elsewhere but it doesn't it's not on the burrows. <laughs> I know. I know. He's a really busy guy. We did ask him for you. He's just, he's just yeah. so super busy. He does have a, an autobiography, which we have, which is really cool, but no, I get it. It would be totally awesome if he would do your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And see, I was a huge fan of growing pains, which was the uh, show. Me too. Long. Me too. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> of course I had a, I had a crush on Tracy gold. So that. <laughs> oh yes. She's adorable. the sister. I love yeah. her glasses and that. <laughs> so, so let's talk, let's talk about the book guys. So <clears throat> much like your previous book, you've laid it out in a very simple format. You've got the, you have charts and images, uh, quote breakouts. Um, I really, I really like it. And uh, one of the things that I liked when I'm going to try to show everybody, if I can see, I don't want to give away too much, everybody, you need to buy the book, but <laughs> like something just as simple as this with each view, you kind of show those arrows and those, those positions and give a, a good explanation of, okay, so this is how they see it. And, it, and it, it helps. It helps me, especially in the return of Christ. That really helped me. But so when we talked in the last, the last step, the last time about this, I had asked you guys about, you know, your journey, which was part of your testimony. Mm-hmm. So let, let's, let's just revisit it really quick because then I want to talk sure. about the way these views broke down. Okay. So both of you were in dispensationalism. Yes. I right. started out with a Catholic background and I got born right. again and I landed in dispensationalism. Yeah. Right. So <clears throat> Rachel, whenever you, whenever you left dispensationalism, the next, 
the next level was what view eschatologically? Um, it, it was a step-by-step process. It started with right. me studying the rapture. I was questioning the, the pre-trib rapture. I came to a post-trib view and then it just, you know, and a lot of this happened just from me reading the Bible on my own. No one came to me and said, Hey, your view is wrong. It's this. I mm-hmm. studied the Bible for myself and I wanted to see where they were coming up with these views and make sure everything's lining up with scripture. The rapture wasn't making sense for me. Then I studied the millennium one day that wasn't lining up for me. So then I became, I studied that further, became an amillennialist. And then that led me down the, the path to preterism because many amillennialists are at least partial preterists. And that's where I started learning about all that. So it was just a step-by-step progression of, of learning and, and growing and learning the word. Like I, I, I think I said this in our previous interview the other day, like you don't become a Christian and automatically understand the Bible perfectly. We all have to learn and study and grow. And so it was a process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, I think you guys said it was like over a 10 year period, right? For uh, Yeah. We've been uh-huh. studying yeah. this over 10 years yeah. now. We actually, uh, a memory popped up for uh, Peter on his Facebook today. Um, and he said, had a great weekend. Well, we met uh, Super Bowl Sunday of 2012, and that was February 5th. Today is February uh, 6th. He posted that the day after we met. So we've known each other for 12 years. We've known each other for 12 years yeah. now. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I brought me over to uh, watch the Super Bowl, but it was yeah. really too. It was a yeah. setup. We talked about that on our first interview. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I'm glad it worked out. Do you guys remember who was playing in that Super Bowl? No. <laughs> Football, football teams. Um, so what do you guys want our audience to know in regard to your book? Um, well, this new book, There's I guess, lot. yeah, there is quite a bit, but first and foremost, it was written to educate the church. Okay. Um, it's to first show all the views. And then we're coming to find out as we're having conversations with people to also help people understand their current view, because I feel like a lot of people don't know their view. Right. Um, For myself, like I was raised a Catholic. I actually knew more about Catholicism after I left it than I did when I was in it because I started studying it more afterwards. But we find out with a lot of pastors and people we have conversations with, they don't even understand the premillennial dispensational view at all remotely, (laughs) Uh, especially when you get into Daniel and some other things. So I think this is helpful not only to educate the church and all the views and say, Hey, look, there's other views out there. You know, there's a lot of indoctrination going on where they're just taught one view. And this is to say there's look, there's other views out there. And not only that, I think this will help everyone understand uh, their current view. And also the biggest thing is why people believe these other views. We're kind of giving that why, you know, not just stating a view, but why would people and sincere Christians believe this view? Yeah. And I would just also add to teach the church history, because I I think that's not being taught in most churches. And a lot of Christians don't know that. I think most Christians just assume today that the view they're being taught and the view they hold, that's just what the church has always believed. And that's not correct. That's not what the church has historically believed. And we're just trying to open people's eyes to that. And, and like yeah. Pete said, just, just to educate people, just to be informative. That's all yeah. we're trying to do. Because people don't know they've been indoctrinated. And, right. you know, you got to give them a choice, too. And and also, you know, um, just arguing with people doesn't work very well. We want to have conversations and we want to, you know, lovingly and, you know, and godly. And um, I just feel like this is a better way to approach it by showing all the views. Instead of, like, kind of fighting people and combating people, we can just lead them by the hand and just walk them through the views and say, like, you know, um, yeah, this is your view of dispensational, but hey, did you know there was, like, historic premillennialism? Um, did you know there's all these different ways to interpret Revelation? And, you know, a lot of these, you know, they might not be all correct, but some parts of them they're getting right. I mean, you know, some of these things, yeah. you know, are are very... <laughs> and we hear that from a lot of people. Oh, my gosh, most of my Christian life, I never knew there were other views. I only heard of this one view. And that's our whole point here. We're trying to show, look, guys... There's all these other views. I mean, our book, we've got five different views of the rapture, five different views of the millennium, five different views of Revelation, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, I don't think right. a lot of Christians are aware of it. Yeah. And you know what? That's that's my experience. 
Uh, I didn't, I just thought whatever we believed is what every church believed. And I was failing miserably at what I was doing. So that, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I was for the longest time. And then I remember I was introduced to the author, A.W. Pink. Yes. His work, it was called Studies on Saving Faith. And I remember reading that book and it shocked my world because I was like, what is he talking about? What? And then I would see the verses of scripture and I'd be like, wait, I, I just read that just the other day. I didn't catch it. And you don't realize because when we use the word indoctrination, it sounds very harsh and, and negative. Indoctrination mm-hmm. is just the definition of somebody that only sees a single view. And so, right. It, it, yeah. It's not, it's not necessarily evil. It's just what you believe. It's just, that's the only view you see. Right. So rather than, you know, anytime you're indoctrinated, well, it sounds, yes, it's true, but don't be, don't be mean when you say it. But <laughs> I remember reading that AW Pink book. I remember he had this one quote. He said, if, if you are more concerned with saving yourself from hell, then you're committing the sin of self-preservation. And I was like, what? <laughs> I didn't even know what to think of. It just got me to think differently. And then I started understanding like Calvinism. I didn't even know what that was. And then I was introduced to it. Right. So that's kind of the way it was whenever I was introduced to the temple's destruction in 8070. I'd never heard right. it. Not right. once. Uh, yeah. Yes. Us too. And so that's what was really surprising. And the time statements, they were mm-hmm. so that was something that I saw, but those were the confusing things because I would look at him and I'm like, well, it certainly sounds like he's talking to the people in front of him, but I obviously don't know the Bible. These people do. I believe what you say, moving on. And then we create that filter. Mm -hmm. So when we read the Bible, we read it with that preconceived filter and we've got that. And I think it's J.I. Packer. He's got a great quote about that. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? We have that in our book. book. Actually. It's, it's the at book. the end of our book. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. That's exactly right. You know, we, it, it, it's amazing. I remember whenever Cherry and I were reading that one time, because it is true. That's the experience that we have as Christians. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that when I read your book, Return of Christ, I was like, I'd already been introduced to it because I read Glenn Hill's book. I was like halfway through it when I got your book. And, okay. then, I started, and then I started reading it and I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I didn't see so much of this stuff. Like, and I had already learned a lot about full predators, but there was a lot of things I still hadn't. And so that was a, it was a beautiful thing to me when I saw that in times explained con, cause I was like, Oh, now we can talk. Now we can talk about it. And that's one of the things we want to do at the boroughs guys is that we want to be able to have a good conversation, godly conversation and love one another. And you're not going to get that on Facebook easily. No, no, we noticed. Don't. Oh yeah, <laughs> we, we do. We that. do, yes. and and it's it's tough because tones can be misread, yes. and we hear all the time Facebook's not the best place to be having these conversations. But it's one of the only platforms we really have, and and I hope people don't misunderstand our hurt. Like we're not mean spirited people. We don't like to fight with people, as some have accused us of. But we're really sad when we see people being deceived. And and if if we believe truly that people are being deceived, we want to share what we believe is the truth and wake people up by any means necessary. Obviously we want to do that in a loving way, but this is our struggle, you know? Right. And like that word indoctrination, you said could sound kind of harsh. Deceived can sound kind of harsh as well. Mm Yeah, of of course. And, you know, we don't mean that. Yeah. I mean, my gosh, like we can all be deceived. I mean, from, you know, the Easter Bunny to Santa Claus to like all these different things. I mean, on mass scale, um, yeah, no. like, so yeah, I mean, you could, I mean, we're in this world, we're trying to figure things out and yeah, we could, you know, bite onto something that's not true and follow that for a while. And yeah, we can totally be deceived. And yeah. again, you know, for Christianity, like she's saying, you know, she used to always say, I don't know if you said it recently, but you know, you, you're, you become a Christian. Well, you don't automatically have a perfect understanding of the Bible, right? I, I go from Catholicism. I'm a Christian. Boom. I land in a dispensational premillennialism. You know, I'm like, I'm trying to get closer to the truth, but I'm not aware that this dispensationalism is wrong or off or, you know, not biblical or whatever, but I'm trying to figure it out. And I trust, you know, other teachers that have been 
dispensationalists for 30, 40 years. And I'm like, well, they've obviously been doing this almost their whole life. They must know it's what's right. They got to be correct. They're, then, they're, they're the experts. But then, and so <laughs> we do that self-study. We actually look at that scripture. And again, like you were saying, take off those goggles or, you know, all those preconceived ideas and just look at the word, get in that language and just, you know, really study it. Then you see, well, wait a minute, you know, oh my gosh, this, this maybe isn't right. And you start questioning things. The problem is these days, <laughs> I hate to say it, but like, unless it's good to question, we need to study and that's awesome. But like with a lot of people and pastors, especially if you study and don't come to the same conclusion they did, boy, it's like, you know, don't study or it's, it's unfortunate. Like you have to agree with them. If you study and you find a different conclusion, it's just like, oh no. And, I, and then I feel like I'm in trouble for studying my Bible. Like, I mean, should I study it or shouldn't I study it? Cause I'm coming to something different. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's the other thing about the book that in times explained that you guys do really well is explaining that there's always that argument about what's literal and what's figurative. Yes. You know, what is literal and what's figurative? And I remember, you know, in the, in, in the premillennial dispensational world, it felt like the things that were literal and the things that were figurative later on, I learned that it was almost like they were flip flopped, you know, <laughs> and it was so yeah. strange. And so in your book, you guys like, you know, idealism, it's a symbolic view, you know, like you, you explain that where those names, those names come from. And it's unfortunate, but those names like full preterism or idealism or historic premillennialism, whatever, they just show you which camp that you're in and where, what, you know, what level or what you've expected, you know, accepted, I guess. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's good. So, so um, what else, what else you want us to know about your book guys? Is there anything else that you can think of? Oh boy. I think Rachel has a list of things she would like to There's discuss. There's a lot. Like I, said, I would like I to hear it all. I, I can't remember like what we've already addressed or not addressed. Just don't worry what, about it. Um, like I said, one thing is um yeah, just for any well, just for any of our friends who've already bought our first book, um, there's additional information in this book that's not in the first book, even on preterism. So we really try to make it different and include different facts, different quotes, different pictures, everything. So it's not a repeat. We want it to be completely different. Obviously, the explanation of preterism is there and some stuff's repeated. But but yeah, all the quotes are different, except the, I think the only quote we repeated was the C.S. Lewis quote because <laughs> it had to be in there. It's powerful. Um, but yeah, a lot of we address things. We address the millennium. We address like. The Man of Sin, Second Thessalonians 2, stuff like that that we didn't talk about in the first book. So I just want people to be aware it, there's there's new information here. So if you liked our first book, you're going you're gonna to like our second book. So does that also, mean you probably will revise that first book with a second edition? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, we, we like it. We like that it was simple and it was beginner level. Um, yeah, so yeah, I say okay. this, we, we we actually did just do a new printing. We made a couple slight edits to some typos that we yes. found, but, but other, otherwise it's still the same book. Like a cover on. Um, yeah. But. Um, he, oh, th there was a, a gentleman that gave us a review. So, so all of our reviews for our first book were really good on Amazon we got all five star reviews except one man gave us a four star, even though he said the book was excellent and uh, excellent intro to preterism and he would recommend it. He apparently didn't like that. He, he wished that we had addressed some additional things like the millennium and the preterist view of how is the world going to end or, 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 or do, you, do you not think it's ever going to end and things like that. And what about Satan and no more Satan. The world seems to be getting more evil. So we were, you know what we did? We made sure that we addressed all of that in the new book and we did. Oh, yeah. Okay. So. Well, I know that, I mean, there's, you can, and the way that you can do it <laughs> in this simple lot. approach, there is, I mean, uh, look, Don Preston, what has he done? 750 episodes on the Olivet discourse. I That's think no joke. It's it a lot. Yeah, I think it was oh 866 actually. Cause I think. Our, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he's not even done. If you watch occasionally, he'll throw one in. Like, here's one area that I didn't get. Yeah. And I'm like, you can go on forever. You can. Um, and the more you, the more you research and the more you study, the more that you unearth, you know, you start to see these things. Mm -hmm. So, so what else, what other, what other high point you want us to know? 
Well, I just wanted to share, like, because I always told, we had, like, Rose Guide, and I don't know if there's any Rose Guide lovers out there, but, I mean, they have good pamphlets, this and that, but overall, it doesn't represent the views very well. And I wanted to have a book that represented all the views and explained the why, but also gave full preterism a seat at the table, because I have commentary after commentary in the library that doesn't even address full preterism. They just, because they say it's heresy. And they'll address partial preterism and that's it. And then they'll obviously pick it apart because it's not as consistent. And, you know, I just wanted to have a book that gives actually full preterism a seat at the table here because I think it's it's time and it's, you know, well overdue and it's the most consistent view. And I hope people uh, comes across and people really see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. Because people have questioned us, well, like, isn't it hard to write a book like this and remain unbiased? And, and we, we feel like somebody like us who's been through this whole process, who's studied all the views and at one point or another held a lot of these views and has we've gone from one end of the spectrum to the other. It's somebody like us who should be writing a book like this because a dispensationalist can't write a book like this and give a fair treatment to preterism and all these other views. We've read their books. They're very biased. They, they don't properly represent the views. And, and and someone asked, I think it was one of your coworkers, they asked you, well, well was it hard to write a book and, and like this and remain unbiased? And Peter's like, well, no, because we've actually held a lot of these yeah. views at one point or another. We've, we've thoroughly studied all the views. And I would say, I always say what was difficult about this writing this book is all the variations within each view. Each view is hard to pin down because not all dispensationalists agree on every interpretation of scripture, nor do all preterists. So it's like we had to be real careful with the way we worded things. And while some think this, others think this. This is a popular view, but some interpret it this way within each view. So it's you can't nail down any one person. It, it's very, very difficult. And I think we did pretty well at it. But it was oh, hard. <laughs> I mean, I know like on the full printer side, you can't really go into all the IB. I mean, you did mention IBB and CBV as being different. Yes. So you at least mentioned that, which I thought just, was good. Yeah. Yes. We just want to make people aware of it, but our goal wasn't to go into too, so much detail about it. This was just, again, to yeah. give an overview and just educate people about all these different possible interpretations and views within the views. And again, and, and again, addressing things that weren't in our first book. And doing the best we possibly could just to be as unbiased as possible. And, and to be fair. And, you know, I know um, in our, since we had the book out, actually, um, some other futurists have come out and said, you know, well, well, you're, you know, you're not being 100% unbiased, you know, and someone gave an example of a page of our book that we had posted and said, well, you have, you know, two paragraphs for futurism, but three for, you know, the other views. And I was like, well, I did, we did that because you know, everyone knows current, the current view. They know, the, main, they know two, the mainstream That's why there's two We're trying to show on. all the other sides. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And so like, <laughs> so we, we show like, you know, we have a paragraph and then we have a proponent that believes that in, in the futurist view. And then we have, well, other people believe this. And here's a quote from a proponent. But we felt the need to explain it further because people won't be familiar with the view. So we need to explain the why someone would believe that. <laughs> and I think because of that, People think we're biased, but we're, we really tried our absolute best to be as unbiased as possible. Like we try to keep reading it, looking at it from an outside perspective mm -hmm. and just, you know, trying to give it unbiased. And we are trying to show that other view. So sometimes I know people think that maybe we are being a little biased, but like we're trying not to. We just felt the need to explain it more because it's new. Like the church and the people we talk to have no idea about the other side of things. We're trying, we try to go back forth, back and forth again. Yeah. We're trying to show the other side that most Christians aren't hearing. And like we said, to give that full education. And, and I would actually say we actually erred on the side of caution. We, I felt we were like the, and I, the, the chapter we've gotten some criticism on um, from a couple of futurists, well, no, was that whole chapter of the evolution of eschatology. Yeah. And that one was a really tough chapter. And it took us months to write and a lot of research. Um, I, I was going to say, I feel we were pretty generous because we could have gone into a lot more detail on certain topics like Israel and right. what really happened with the formation of Israel and the brutality that occurred with all of that. 
And even with John Darby and Schofield, there's a lot of more detail we could have gone into about their personal lives and their character, but we didn't want it to seem like we were intentionally trying to assassinate their character and make it seem like we were trying to take a side. So we kind of held back a little bit. We tried to just give the facts, give the overview, and show you all the different sides. We tried our best. And I can appreciate the fact that it's a little bit biased on this view because, like you said, it is new and we don't. We're not being really represented anywhere else. So representing us, but also being careful about what people are thinking. And that's, that's a brilliant strategy. I think it's a good, especially for introduction. And then it'll actually send them on the route that, you know, in their study. And like you said, understand your own, like I did too. Like I remember reading, I was like, wait a minute. Did I actually, I did believe that I didn't even, that's true. (laughs) Pardon me. So, um, Here's a side of it that I was curious about because because of you guys have went in through each view. I consider dispensationalists my brothers and sisters. So do you? I know you do. Yes, because, do. we do. You know, let because I have to be honest. I remember when I was talking to Daniel Hummel. You know, he wrote the rise and fall of dispensationalism, yes, and Daniel right. said, "Yeah, let's just keep in mind that the dispensational churches are the ones that have been out." ministering to the world. So, and that's true. They have like, they've spread the gospel really far. Um, and so people have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through this without even necessarily being trained in the the totality of the eschatological view that just seems to come later in our Christian walk. But as you guys would go from one view to the next, tell me what that was like for you, because if somebody's reading this book Mm -hmm. and they're, they see their, like a view, like they did hold you know, I, w- I want to use Sarita as an example. She's not here to speak for herself, but uh, mm-hmm. she said this on the podcast enough. She left premillennial dispensationalism and she's went into this other view, this last trumpet view. And it's, she's like, I'm not a dispensationalist anymore. Right. And I, and I watched her struggle with that, having to have these conversations with her family mm-hmm. uh, who are worried, like, where are you heading? You're not going to be like Rick and those goofs over there, are you? Like that kind of stuff. And, and it's all, jokes, all joking, you know, they're, we love each other. We, I love her husband, Mike and all of them. They're wonderful people. So, but when you made that conscious decision, cause I remember when I made mine, but you guys went to each, like, I didn't even go to all these other views. I went from like dispensationalism straight into partial predators and straight into. You full. made the big jump. It was real. Well, it made the most sense to me. But then I was like, well, but the church didn't really teach this. So that's what made me stop and slow mm-hmm. way down because I held on to partial predators for a long time. Mm-hmm. But I kept seeing inconsistencies and it was driving me bananas. And then I kept having to like <laughs> redefine words and make things, you know, and I was like, I don't want to keep redefining words. I've been doing this for so long. I don't want to do it anymore. So then I finally came to some conclusions. I was reading, uh, of course, a Don Preston book. Uh, and then watching David Curtis and then it just like all of it kind of hit at once. And I was like, this is the, this is what I believe. This is what I believe. But to go from like, you know, like you said, you, you studied the rapture and then mm-hmm. you went to a this post mill rapture when you made that decision, that conscious decision, can you, can you describe what that's like? I mean, I know, okay. So it's different in the dynamic of the marriage, but what about to your church and to the other people. What was that like for you? Was it isolating or was it exhilarating or both? Yeah. I want to just say, because like when we first, <laughs> she was first setting this out, we were first kind of coming to that, uh, that uh, from a pre-mill to post-mill, or sorry, um, on the rapture, you know, um, pre-trib to post-trib rapture. Uh, first conversation at the time we were going to um, a Calvary Chapel and she just asked the question and was questioning about this. And the pastor's first sentence, I'll never forget this as long as I live. He said, well, if that's what you want to believe, maybe you should fellowship somewhere else. Like that's how the conversation started. So then we're like, okay, you know, this is, you know, the church apparently doesn't like this at all remotely. And whenever we were talking about it, it was kind of like you're pulled into the corner and, you know, we don't want to pollute the church. So let's have this conversation more in private. <laughs> but you, do you want to take it from there? Oh, um, it just, I, I guess the big thing I would say, and I think this is what Rick is getting at, is um, it's not easy. It was not an easy process. I mean, so, and I think, I feel like sometimes we need to remember that because we've come so far in our studies we forget what it's like to be on the other side and have the different mentality. And it's challenging. No one likes to have their beliefs challenged. 
Um, and I just want people to understand it wasn't easy for Peter and I. It's not like we became preterists overnight. We wrestled with this. This was a long, grueling process of studying and having our beliefs challenged and being like, wait, you're telling me what I was taught was wrong? Yeah. That's hard for anybody. And especially for somebody who's maybe been a Christian their whole lives. Like Peter and I were not Christians as children. That they love. If they're taught by somebody they love dearly, like their family or, and or their parents, of their yeah. parents or a pastor that's been in their church for 50 years. He is yeah. the man that has led everybody in your family to the Lord. He's done every baptism. He's been there every time that somebody has been sick or died or whatever. He's performed all of these things for the family. And you, you don't want to believe that somebody that you love so dearly could be wrong. Uh, and then, right. so are you saying you're misleading everybody? And it's like, it's really not that easy. Like it, it, it's not like that. Sometimes we get in, we have these filters and a pastor, for example, a lot of pastors, they're busy being pastors and yeah, yeah. they're trying to study the word, but when you've got 300 people, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I have a, I have a shop with 40 people and it takes up so much of my time and I'm not even worried about their family life. I mean, I yeah. am not, you know, can you imagine being right. a administrator of a church, but then also having to be concerned yeah. with all of these people's personal lives. That's a lot. Yeah. And so they may not be able to shape of course, if they're doing their studies, which most pastors I would say do, but a lot of times it's, I forget the word that we used in our last episode, but where they just, because they believe it, they just keep driving home that same view and just pushing it all into their same view. But that's a hard move whenever it's people that you love that yep. are, quest, are looking at you like, now what yep. now? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I explained like first with the first pastor there, that was kind of the church side of that. But like we were dating at the time and, you know, she was challenging and poking holes into my pre-trib rapture here. And I was like, wow. And there were nights I was driving home, you know, from her apartment and I was kind of mad. I was like, you mean to tell me all my books that I've been buying, all these commentaries are wrong, you know, and she's just sitting there poking the holes through it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like there's something to this and need to study. So and I think we thought a little bit about it as well. Didn't, I didn't realize I was naive to it because I was a new Christian and I didn't realize how sensitive people were about this and how people you're challenging people's long held beliefs. He was a Christian for like almost 10 years longer than I was studying all this stuff. And I come along and I'm going, I don't think this is right, Pete. And I didn't realize how much that challenged him. Tim you know, I, it was wrong. a learning curve for both of us, you know? Yeah. Chuck Smith, Tim LaHaye, they can't be wrong. There's just no, but, you know, it's like Jay Brennan McGee. Are you kidding know. me? Sorry, I mean, go ahead, Rick. Gary Jenkins and Tim LaHaye. I mean, the left behind. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, I absorbed <laughs> the whole thing. I know, I right? At all, you know, and I was like, this is how it's going to be, you know? And that's in, and all of my friends, we would go and have cookouts or dinners, mm -hmm. talk about the books and we talk about what's going on and we look at our lives and we look at our current mm -hmm. events and, you know, we talk about all that and, and we share that in these relationships. And then when suddenly you, you, you do begin to see a different view. I'll never forget. Like I said, when I saw the studies in saving faith by A.B. Pink, it shifted my view so drastically that I started seeking out a church that was, that was more about the sovereignty of God and rather than the free will of man, I was more interested in that side of it because mm -hmm. I was, I was hungry for it. I just wanted to see it. And, you know, and I found a reformed Baptist church in my area. And so I started going there and it was like, all of a sudden I'm hearing these sermons that are exactly like what I'm reading in the Bible. And I'm like, Oh, wow. You know, and I know that there's other, there's ways to argue both sides of the view. I'm not, you know, I'm not dumb, but I hadn't heard that other side preached mm -hmm. and that was unique, you know? Yeah. And it fed you. I bet you. Yeah. Yeah, of course. But so, then all and, my friends started challenging me guys. Started, <laughs> yeah. My friends yeah. started challenging me like, Oh, yes. really? Well, then how about, and they start bringing up the verses, you know, oh, <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll my oh, new yeah. position. I'm like, I don't want to defend my new position right now. I just want to bask in this for a minute. You know, I just want to yeah, live. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard when you're first new to it. And I know a lot of people, especially when they first change their view or become a preterist, they're not openly willing to discuss it because they're not, they don't feel equipped enough to defend what they believe. They're, they're getting it, they're seeing it, but they don't know how to like explain it on their own from the scriptures. Um, you know, and, and, and I hate to say this, and I I think I said this in our other interview. It's another thing I want to jump in with is um, I would never accuse any pastor of intentionally deceiving people. 
or anything like that. I believe pastors are sincere and they are teaching what they sincerely believe to be the truth. So I want that to be clear. But I just want Christians to be aware. I, I get it. It's hard. It is hard work to study the Bible and you have to do some extra digging to, to go deeper. Um, but but Christians are just so trusting of what they're hearing from the pulpit. And they, they say, look, this guy's an expert. He's been to seminary. He's done the work. I'm just going to listen to him and I'm good. Um, I've seen that not to be the case. We've had plenty of conversations over the years with local pastors, and we found just through our own personal studies, we know more on this topic than some of the pastors. And we hear sermons where pastors are confusing um, post-millennialism with preterism or preterism with historicism. And it's like, have you really not done your homework? And what are you learning in seminary? And I, I mean, no disrespect. But I just want to give, if I can, one example, just to show people, because I hear pastors say, I've heard pastors say, you know, hey, don't take my word for it. Check it out for yourself. Study for yourself. And I'm like, is that like, do they mean that? Or is it like a reverse uh, psychology thing? Um, I'll give you an example. Wait, years ago, when I started studying the rapture and was getting real deep into that, I found a video online from Joseph Prince. Are you familiar with him? He's yeah. a big yeah. TBN TV preacher. And it was on the rapture, and he was trying to refute this idea that the raptures knew, you know, the preacher rapture didn't exist before the 1800s. So he tries to quote someone as an example. So he quotes Matthew Henry. Oh, oops. Okay, Matthew Henry. I was like, what? Matthew Henry did not believe in a preacher rapture. What he did is he showed one or two sentences totally taken out of context from his commentary on 1 Thessalonians 4. And he shows that Matthew Henry used the word rapture. So I dove deep. I looked into it. We have some Matthew Henry commentaries, but he's got more than one. And I, I couldn't find it in ours, but I found it online, found the commentary he was referencing, read the whole thing in context, just for my own self. Um, when you read it in full context, yes, he used the word rapture, but it's very clear that he was equating the rapture with the second coming. He did not believe in a pre-trib rapture the way yeah. Joseph Prince does. Right. So he's trying to quote this, this gentleman and say, well, look, the people believed in the rapture before the 1800s. And it was completely false, completely deceptive. But no one in that audience hearing that is going to know that. And if they don't take the time to look it up for themselves, they're going to believe what this pastor is yeah. telling them. That's just one example of many that I've come across. Yeah. Well, I've, you know, as well as I do, especially in the full preterist camp, that that's not our nature. We don't, we are the ones that will, we're like Bereans. We will we'll go look it check up. it out. We'll yeah. check it out. That's our nature. That's what we do. Yeah. And some other people don't. And we've, we've had that conversation many times in the boroughs about this, about there, there, there are times in my life where I've even felt like, I just want to live the Christian life. I don't want to have to explain it, you know, and that's, but the Christian life is explaining it because Paul tells us that we need to be explaining it. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we need to, to be ready um, to, to defend <laughs> to the faith. Paul Peter, yeah. To yeah. give an answer. Yeah. And that's yeah. what happens when, you know, whenever I would ask questions, when I would come across things like this generation shall not pass until all these things take place. You know, it was easy for me to change this generation to that generation because I'd been hearing it for so long, how easy oh, that was. Right. Or to, or to see that the word, the difference between genos and Jenea, right. And, yeah. and how, how quickly and easily that snuck past me because I don't know Greek, you know, and I, or having conversations with men like Sam Frost and asking, you know, particular questions and him saying, you don't understand the way that the Greek, you, you have to be able to formulate the sentence. You have to, under, and I'm like, I got so frustrated at different times because I would be like, well, I would really like somebody to, and to make a Bible that says it like the Greek really says it then because they do all these word for word translations. And if you're right. telling, you're, <laughs> excuse me, if you're telling me that these word for word translations don't work, then please somebody do, make the effort and write it like they meant it then so that I can understand it better. 
So we rely on other people that know the languages, you know? Yeah. yeah, I've got a strong concordance, but I've learned really quickly that Mm -hmm. that's helpful, but it's not really the end all. There's still that. Even so, the Strong's concordance is biased, but sorry, yeah, go ahead. It, you're right. It absolutely <laughs> we've, is. We've found things in there that's like, what? Yeah, but go ahead. Yeah, well, like you said, it's hard not to be. Whenever it you is. Have a, you Everyone's know. biased. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and we but had to consciously try not to be, but go ahead. Go right. ahead. No, no, no. I, that, that's all I really wanted to say is that, you know, that frustration that you feel whenever you're changing from view to view, which is what I started. This is what started this com- this part of the conversation okay. was okay. That, that frustration of, I don't know the languages. And so a lot of times when you, you hear a pastor behind a pulpit say the Greek word is agape and this is what the word means. And so whenever Jesus is saying this, he's saying it in this fashion that we just go, okay, that's great. You know, and it's beautiful. And then I remember that's the word agape. I remember that, you know, Oh, well, this one's phileo. Oh, okay, cool. So you learn that. Well, you know, <laughs> how many Greek words do I have to memorize here? You know, like I, I want, did the English version really convey what I'm, you know, and am I developing a view based off of an incorrect way that the English is telling me something? Right. You know did you ever come across that in your study? Like you would read a word and you were like, the ESV says this, but the KJV says this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you hear that because they say, well, this word in the Greek could be translated several different ways in the English. And it's like, well, how do we know which way is the right one? Yeah. 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 And then, and so people like Gary DeMar (laughs) and Preston and all them, that's what I love about it is they'll, excuse me, like Gary DeMar, especially, he'll say, uh, this word is used 15 times in the New Testament. And every time it means this, I don't know why they translate it like this. This doesn't make any sense. It should mean the same way it meant in these other places. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. But then again, I'm having to rely on Gary DeMar. Yeah, I know, right? Exactly. Because I don't have the 15 verses that I'm always talking about. So I'm going to have to do this long word search. So at some Um, level, we're all sort of depending on other people too. So now I completely depend on you only with end times explained. (laughs) (laughs) And I always say, because people like look at us sometimes, I feel like do do some of our fellow Christians think like we're the only ones that believe this? You think we came up with, you know, because we get that, well, you don't have a, theology degree you're not a pastor it's like but there's plenty of people who do have theological degrees and who are pastors who believe just like we do i'm like where do you think we learned it from (laughs) we didn't come up with it ourselves right that's right (laughs) we did but we did see that's what i think that's what triggered us is that we did see the verses especially the time texts and that's what that's what frustrates a lot of people uh, I noticed, especially a lot of like the millennials that I've spoke with, but they just, the time text, because they mean so much to us. And they're like, guys, just look what it says shortly. I mean, it's, this is revelation one, man. It's saying soon and shortly. And now, you know, um, it, it's gotta it's mean gotta something. Mean something. It's mm-hmm. gotta, um, but they're like, ah, you know, that's, it, it, it did mean something for them, but it means something now. And I'm like, but those churches aren't even here anymore. Like, what do you mean? Like, the, those were things that I did know. Yep. So I already know. So then whenever I heard somebody else say those things and I was like, it was like a breath of fresh air, man. I was like, yeah. oh, I mean, we can take the time text for what they are, <laughs> you know? You know, if I could, you just remind me of something, if this is okay. I, I a while back, years back, I had, a, was having a friendly back and forth with a, a dispensational friend of mine. And it was after I had become an amillennialist and I wasn't yet a, even a preterist. And she challenged me on that. She goes, well, who was the book of Revelation written to? Because see, and you'll hear this from futurists because they want to say the tribulation and all that. That's for Israel. And now as obviously as preterists, I'm like, yeah, it was for Israel, but it was for Israel in the first century. But she asked me, well, who was book of Revelation written to? And I'm like, well, the seven churches in Asia. And she's like, exactly. And that, but then now I'm looking at it. I'm like, and she used to emphasize audience relevance to me. And, and now I'm like, yeah, you, you get it, but you don't get it. It was for the seven churches in Asia but it was for them at that time, those actual people. How are you still putting it in the future when these churches don't, like you just said, they don't even exist anymore. It's like they see it, but they miss it, you know? Matter of fact, I learned that one of the churches that's, uh, when they give it the late date, I think it was Dr. Kenneth Gentry who said in the late date, uh, if it was 8096, that one of the churches that were written to didn't even exist at that point. Wow, yeah. You know, and I was like, well, yeah. 
that's external evidence that kind of points to an early date, you know, that's all fascinating to me. I mean, we talked about Irenaeus, you know, thought Jesus was 50 years old. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, right. But we're relying on him to give us the date of revelation (laughs) or so many people are. Yeah. But, but I don't want to negate all the amazing work that he did, Mm -hmm. you know? He's relying right. on sources just like we're relying on sources. Mm-hmm. Of course, he true. was talking to Polycarp. That's pretty cool. Now, that's only one step from John, you know, so that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. not not so much for us. We're so far removed. But at the same time, the more that you the more that you study, and and, and if you do use this book, I think in times explained is a great primer uh to work to work your way towards understanding the return of Christ. Why are we still waiting? It is a good primer. I think it definitely gives you a fair and balanced view with a little bit of bias at the end. And then you can go straight into the full on bias of the return of Christ and really get the view. There you go. <laughs> the more that you want to know, then you can give the other study or the references that you had. I think it's a beautiful setup as far as giving somebody the opportunity to, to see it. And then, you know, tell people, tell people that, that get this book, you know, that, the experience when you came to this final view, you said you landed on an island. You know, you kind of mm-hmm. like worked yourself into an island. So, what are you guys doing now? You've re- you're you're writing a book, but how about let's just talk about your daily life. Um, you're well, on an island. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Cry for help. Um, <laughs> <laughs> same, same. S S O S. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it's it hasn't like it's come with a price here, because um, we feel like it you comes know, with the territory, right? You study putting you yourself st- out there. Yeah, you study, you Go study, ahead. and you come to this view, and this view is not accepted. Um, you know, I just explained earlier. <laughs> I mean, put this in perspective. Talks about a you know pre-trib rapture to a post-trib rapture, and we got flack for that. That's nothing compared. compared I mean, that's just a tiny piece of the puzzle and the millennium. And now we're like just, you know, 80, 70, which no, not, it's not being taught in the church at all. So people are oblivious of that. But, you know, this is much, much bigger. So, I mean, you think of just being kind of um, taken aside just over the rapture. We're out in the middle of nowhere right now because um, people, it's such a, such a leap. When and, you- and the leap that you took, Rick, is, is wonderful. I mean, that you took the leap that we all wish. Uh, people could take because you know we, I mean, with this book like we're literally taking people down you know step by step and we took a leap at least on millennialism and then you know for her full preterism but like you know we have to be aware too that when we're talking to people we can't make that jump all the way over there i mean we wish we could get everyone to do what you did uh because that gets them you know close to the edge and then we can just push them off the cliff <laughs> and the full preterism <laughs> You know, it's it's the same. It's the same here. You know, I, you're right. We do have to be careful about that. I would, you know, I think I mentioned this in the last episode uh, as well, but there was a moment when I, I I think Gary DeMar, Rob Cruikshank had shared it with Gary DeMar. I think we talked about this, the, uh, how to refute preterism. And it was a pastor from Hope uh, Baptist Church. And he's, you can see in his attitude He's obviously biased on his side. And um, he, he says this, this one thing, he goes, these guys just believe it's all done. He said that the rapture is over. He said, anybody in the reading the Bible where it said the rapture was over? I never did. And I was like, well, why would you, you know, cause it doesn't, <laughs> cause it doesn't even, no one's written anything. If you think your future view, then, then nothing's been written after that view either. So why would they say that? But every point, yeah. But he, this one thing that he said, I remember I wanted to just jump. It it wasn't anger. It was like pain. Like I hurt for this person because he said, have you guys seen the sun go dark? Have you seen the moon turn to blood? Have you seen the stars fall from the heavens? He said, you haven't had you. He said, so it's garbage. And, And I was like, I know, I know that you read your Bible and I know that you've read this and you haven't put two and two together. And you're feeling you as a pastor are trying to protect your people because you don't want them to fall by the wayside, but you don't see the truth of what those words actually mean. Mm -hmm. And that was heartbreaking because I thought, I know that feeling like I I understand. I can see it. I see, I know a lot of pastors and I can see that. 
that this is their flock and they take it seriously. And yeah. so they're doing what they can to try to steer them away from the problem, the problem things. And they were just doing a question and answer, which was rare, I think, in a Baptist church that I've seen um, in my own experience for him to answer that kind of a question. But that I think that for me, whenever when Jeff McCormick did his Sun Will Be Darkened series, that was a major shift for me mm. because I was like, because whenever <laughs> somebody said, do you realize if one star <laughs> fell that the earth would fall into the star? Right. And Andy would say that on our show, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, so it can be, it's not literal. So it does mean something else. And then to go into the Old Testament. So mm-hmm. I just urge anybody that wants to study this to go to endtimesexplained.com and pick up this book, End Times Explained, Understanding the Different Views. Yeah. It's got this really cool foreword by Kirk. What were you going to say? Sorry, I just want to just to, to clarify. It's endtimes-explained.com. We had to put a hyphen in there because there's actually already another website. Oh, wow. Okay. So you, you go to the wrong website if you don't have the if, hyphen in if there. you don't Sorry. put a dash in there, you're buying the wrong book. End-explained. Endtimes-explained.com. You can also get it on Amazon, correct? You can search it on Amazon. Yes, correct. There's Pete and Rachel Rue, W-R-U-E. Mm-hmm. And this, do some homework, guys. Go out and get this book. Get the end times explained first. I would say get it first and yeah, see, your view, see if your view is represented <laughs> well. See if you understand it well. Cross reference it to the scriptures. Um, they give you lots of other reading material in the reference guide where you can go look at other books if you want. And then once you've done that, then if you if you're interested in this the view of full preterism, then get the return of Christ. Why are we still waiting? And you can get it on that same website or on Amazon. And um I'm gonna be yep, the boroughs are opening a store on our website now. Um cool. we've had enough requests for gear. Oh, show the guys your gear. Yes, you're the only two in the world. <laughs> you can see it. It's the only two in the world that have that hoodie, just so you know. <laughs> But yeah, the hoodies again. <laughs> that's right. That's awesome. We never took them off since the last time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just glad because you it's guys wore the other. Yeah. yeah, it is, and you guys used to wear the black ones a lot. So now you got you got a couple that you can choose from. Yeah, I, right. I love hoodies, Rick. It's actually all I wear. So. <laughs> oh man! So every time I get one, I'll have to be sure to send it to you guys. Okay. Yeah, but on the store, if it's okay with you guys, um, mm-hmm. I would like to put your books on our store as well. We'd love that. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And here's a really cool thing. I don't know if I told you this or not. So I'm going to be starting a class. I purchased 25 of your books. Mm -hmm. I'm starting a class and some people at my church are going to be meeting with us at the church. And we're going to be going through end times explained together. Awesome. Wow. That's amazing. I'm honored. Thank you. Thank you so much. My God. I hope it helps everyone. And yeah, and I, and I think that I think that it will because whenever <clears throat> I share this experience with you real quick too. So, um, I met with a local pastor here where I went to his church about twenty years ago, and I don't want to say his name until I talk to him uh, and get his permission to say because I don't. So I don't want to do that, but I just want to tell you the experience that we had. So, I called him up one day and I said, "Listen, you always were a mentor for me, and." I have, my views have changed dramatically and I would like to come and share this with you fully. I want to tell you exactly what I think and I want to hear what you have to say. And he said, sure, come on over. So I went over and I sat down and I shared with him my entire eschatological view, which has changed my worldview and everything. And I wasn't nervous. I was expecting him to be kind because he's a kind, sweet man. But what I wasn't expecting was him saying, I'm right there with you, except for one thing. And I was like, okay. And he's like the great white throne judgment. This, this, there's something, this has to end in some fashion. I can't understand it. I know all these things are tied together, but I just, my mind will not allow me to do this. This is a man that's been a pastor for over 40 years and he studied the Bible tremendously. He's one of the few people that I know that I feel like he could recite the whole Bible to me, you know? So I said, well, would you allow me to share a book with you? And he said, yes. And so I gave him 
Glenn Hill's book and I gave him your book, The Return of Christ. So he had those. So mm-hmm. gives me a call on Sunday. Okay. My wife and I were sick and we weren't able to go to church. And so we were home and they called to check on us, which isn't that sweet. That's uh-huh. so nice. But they do that. And he asked me the question. He said, do you know by a, na- a man by the name of John Bray? Oh. And I said, yeah, I've got his book. Uh-huh. Um, Matthew 24 fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I have that book. I'm reading it right now. And he goes, this guy's cool. a full preterist. I didn't even use the term, but he said it. And I was like, this is awesome. He told me, you invite all of your friends. They are welcome here. You wow. invite them all. That's powerful. So we've got a group of about eight That's down fun. here where I live. And we mm-hmm. have a church to go to. That's and amazing. Never, it is. And so when I mentioned this book, I'm going to show it in the screen again. When I mentioned this book to him and I said, I want to teach this. But I'm all I'm doing is just reciting what's in the book. I'm not really teaching. Like I'm just going to use the book and let right. them, give them each a copy for them to take home mm-hmm. so that they can use and study it on their own. And I said, this will give you a fair and balanced view, but then also present our view, the view that I have. And then mm-hmm. maybe they can see where at least where I'm coming from because they're sweet and they know I believe something a little different, but they're loving on me anyway. So that's a beautiful thing. And so I'm excited. That is your book amazing. will be a part of that. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. And we've hoped actually, like I wanted to go door to door to all the churches around here and show this book in the hopes that people would use it in a classroom situation. Or maybe they'll sell it, sell it in their bookstores or something. It's got to try to get it out there, you know? Um, And that's why we, I'm sorry. So the hearing that your story, oh my gosh, it's like music to my ears and it's a beautiful story. I mean, like, this is the kind of the purpose of the book. And it's just so awesome that uh, you're able to share your view and it was accepted. And, you know, he was able to invite you in and, you know, he was yeah. able to see that other side. Um, gosh, I mean, I wish that yeah, would happen every time we share. <laughs> he did. He understood that the view um, by, you know, by the Orthodox church, that it's unorthodox and that it's mm-hmm. it would be considered heretical. That word sounds very ugly. It's another one of those words, heresy, sounds terrible, but it just means that it's not the the accepted view, you know, of a, of a particular view. And I right. like to say it this way. If you're a free will church versus Calvinist church, then one of you guys are being heretical towards one another's view. You're not trying to be mean, but it's just not the accepted view of your particular church. So this eschatological view is not an accepted one. And he knew that, and he knew that I said we can't talk openly. That's the part that bugs me. I just want to be able to, to say the things that I'm reading in the Bible. You tell me to read my Bible and to share this. And so here I am. Can I do that, please? And a lot of churches will not let you. It's fine. You can come here, but I don't want you to talk about what you think. That's That's, right. This does not feel good. It doesn't feel like a fellowship, you know, but we're starved for fellowship. So we, so when he said that and he was like, look, you just come and you be you and you don't feel like you got to be quiet. You say these things and, you know, we'll talk it through, but we love you. I was like, man, yeah. I feel like that's rare, but that's awesome. And he's a very rare man. I'm very, very fortunate to have him as my pastor. Yes. And it's awesome. Yeah. You were going to say something? Oh, no, no, that's okay. Okay. Wasn't important. (laughs) Well, I think we're about to wrap up. Is there anything else that you guys want to share or anything whatsoever? I think we covered it. I think, I, yeah. I think we covered a lot. That was awesome. Thank yeah. you for uh, interviewing us again. Yeah. Thanks for Yeah, well, time. thanks for that. I just, you know, like I said, our technology over at Direct <laughs> Studio is awesome on the audio side, but when you start getting into the internet and the video, it it gets weird. We were freezing up. I didn't hear uh-huh. half the things you said, and I was like, man, <laughs> you know, and then we were doing that conversational podcast, and everybody wants to pipe in and, and, and talk about it, and so it was basically a video of me not talking, staring, you know, looking at everybody else. And then you guys getting to say something occasionally. That's not what I wanted. I wanted people to hear from you about your work, which I think is tremendous. That. Thank you so Thank much. You. Really appreciate that. We appreciate the boroughs and everything you guys are doing. And you guys are such a blessing in your ministry and everything. And it's just awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks so much. We've, we've got a lot coming on this year. Um, we've added some new people. You know, our, the boroughs is, has actually grown. It's bigger than just the studio locally. I and mean, we've got people across the country that are helping and contributing. And it's pretty cool. Um, this year, we're doing uh, uh, worship music. We're going to have 
uh, a man by the name of Jim Beaver is going to come in once a month and he's going to have like pick a hymn. He's going to go into the history of the hymn, the writer of the hymn, and then they're going to do him and his band are going to do a new version of the song, like an updated more, you know, it's going to be cool. Yeah. You know? That's awesome. Cool. Yep. So we're just adding little bits and pieces here and there, but so I would like to carry your book on the new store. The new store is going to be launching in March. Okay. So awesome. You, I want to put that on there. Sure. Yeah. So maybe we'll get a little bit of a, a flow coming through the website there too. That'd be great. Yeah. Thank okay. you so much. Yeah. Appreciate that. And I will follow up with you guys about this after I do the class. Maybe we'll have a little talk again and we can talk about what that experience was like. That would sure. be amazing. We would love to hear that. We would love to hear yeah. how it went and you know how it was received and how it went. Yeah, it would be awesome. Yeah. And then I give you some feedback on what the students are asking and what the students are saying. Yeah. You know? That'd be great. So, and then you guys can do, go ahead and start working on your children's pop-up book next year. Full <laughs> preterism <laughs> for toddlers. Something. <laughs> you <laughs> open it up, it'll be just like book. a temple on fire. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. This is what you need to know, kids. This is yeah. the pivotal point. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. I, you know, here in the next month, Palm Sunday's coming up, you know, Palm Sunday, Easter. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm doing some studies on, on, you know, on what actually happened on Palm Sunday. And mm-hmm. even in Palm Sunday, when he's riding down the Mount of Olives and he weeps over Jerusalem, what he says, like in the Gospel of Luke, in regard to what's about to take place in that city, how in the world did I miss it? Oh, I know. <laughs> how did I miss it? You know? Right. Yeah. Isn't that it's in the cover of Ed Stevens' book, actually? Isn't it? He's got, is it, is it Luke 19? Luke 19 he had on the cover? About yeah. the yeah, yeah. you're going to be surrounded yeah. by a small bed. Yeah, we, we've missed so many things. It's like, again, like you were saying earlier, you read the Bible through a certain lens and we miss so much. Yeah. yeah. You skip it's thing. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like, did it mean something? You know, yeah. did it mean something like you read in the gospel of John, mm-hmm. it says that there's a whole multitude of people around him that are shouting and praising. And so interesting because Jesus in Luke's in Luke chapter 19, where that's taking place, mm-hmm. he says, uh, the, it says the whole disciples are saying, blessed is the King peace in heaven. I'd never even noticed peace in heaven. It says peace in heaven. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that's got to mean something, you know, yeah. and you go to John and you find out that the reason why all of them are there is because he resurrected Lazarus. Yeah. And then you find out that Lazarus isn't mentioned in any of the synoptic <laughs> gospels. I and know. You find out that a priest isn't mentioned in all these. And I'm like, wait a minute. So did you know that? Like yeah, Annas yeah. is only mentioned in John. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A friend gave me a book. Um, I forget what it was called. Uh, the, the other disciple, disciple who loved Jesus. Or the disciple who loved Jesus. I think it's in there. Yeah. Yeah. The disciple who loved Jesus. Yeah. And I, I have a very different view on who I think that is, which is, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. You know, and, I, and I've done plenty of studies and I won't get into that, but I just, I think that that's the beauty. Like another thing will happen whenever you, whenever you start studying your different views, mm-hmm. you really start focusing in a little bit more on what those verses are actually saying. Mm-hmm. It breaks that lens down. And so you pick up other things that aren't even eschatological. It's just other things, you know? Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Next, a lot of dots. It affects so many things. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Like in John and, and then, we'll, then we'll cut it off. Sorry. I, I, <laughs> I, love, I love to talk about this stuff. Uh, obviously I've got a podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but whenever it says in John, when it's talking about when Jesus goes before the high priest, well, he's actually standing before Annas and it says the high priest and he's being tried and Jesus he responds in a way that they don't like. And so a man smacks Jesus on the face and says, will you speak to the high priest that way? And then Jesus responds, never mentions anything about the high priest, but at the very end of that little section, it says, and Anna sent him to the high priest. So it's like, but wait a minute, this said the high priest. And then this said the high priest. So are there two high priests? And you realize, Oh no, wait a minute. So Annas was the father-in-law of Caiaphas and he was helping. In other words, because of my studies and because I've had to really root in and dig deep into these verses and what they actually mean. Now, when I read the Bible, it's so much more rich to me. And I pick up on those little things that I never really noticed before. It's, it's a beautiful thing. 
it's awesome because when you read now, it's like the words are popping off the page and you're just like, oh my God, I see it so clearly. And I know like you get that picture and then you're like in the story and then you're like, it's just so rich. Yeah. I'll yeah. It's, it's so powerful and I love it. So, all right. So I'll say one last time before we come off in times-explain.com. Yes. And that's the book in times explained, understanding the different views. Or the author- that's right. Written by Pete and Rachel Rue. You can also get The Return of Christ. I'll do that one for you. The Return of Christ. Why are we still waiting? Yes. Awesome. Written by the same authors. No forward in this. I'll write the forward for your revised edition. I'm just oh, kidding. I'm no Kirk Cameron. <laughs> anyway, well, much love to you guys. Thanks for giving me this time. And um, I'll let you know. We'll do a follow-up after that class, okay? That would awesome. be wonderful. Again, thanks for having us. We love you. Absolutely. Love you doing. guys. All, All right. right. Take care. God bless. God bless. Bye, See Bye. Hey guys, this is Rick from the boroughs of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea. You'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys.